Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One of my favorite programs on National Public Radio is the Moth Radio Hour. And this is uh, true stories told live in front of audiences uh, of great number often in various venues, bars, and parks, museums, on stage, without a script. And the Moth artistic director shares about the process. She writes that every storyteller comes with the willingness to be vulnerable, to tell on themselves or about themselves in front of thousands. It takes courage, and each story is a gift to the listeners. But the audience brings their own gift to the storytelling, too. They also bring courage to listen with an open mind and an open heart. To bear witness to another's unfiltered story is an act of compassion, she testifies. Some stories we hear on the moth are lighthearted and fun, and some are so challenging we may wish to turn off the radio or close our ears or look away. But the artistic director Burns goes on to testify that we look away at our own peril. For what wonders await us when we don't turn away? Today we find our brother, the Apostle Peter, on his own moth stage of sorts. And he has a story of wonders to tell, a true story to him. And he's standing in front of thousands in Jerusalem. It's the day of Pentecost, which is one of the pilgrim festivals for the Jews. So pilgrims from up to a thousand miles away are in Jerusalem for this festival. And Peter has a story to tell about the living Christ in his own eyewitness account. And with vulnerability and courage and conviction, he speaks about his real-life experiences with Christ who lived, Jesus who died, and then encounters with the living Jesus Christ after. Peter was at that empty tomb when Mary Magdalene discovered that the body was no longer there. Peter was in the room in the Gospel of John story we heard today, huddled with the other disciples, terrified that those who took Jesus away might also be coming after them. So he was there when Jesus passed into that locked room. When he heard his voice, they saw his wounds, they felt Jesus breathe on them the gift of the Holy Spirit, giving them their commission, saying to them, As God has sent me, so I send you. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And in that moment, the disciples, those followers of Jesus, became apostles, meaning the sent ones. They're empowered by the Spirit to go into the world to share all they had seen and heard and to live out God's realm of peace and forgiveness. So Peter there on center stage knows something about forgiveness. And we note in the gospel that is Jesus' singleness of purpose as he sends them out. He speaks the word forgiveness. And we might ask, doesn't the gospel contain many other components aside from that, like healing and teaching God's commandments that lead to life? and walking alongside the marginalized, and liberating the oppressed, and welcoming the stranger. And yes, it does. 
But forgiveness will lead always to the reconciliation that God has in store for us and all the world. And as before we unpack that, when we last meet Jesus, or sorry, when we last meet Peter in that room, we have to remember if we go backwards, he was the first disciple to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. When Jesus said to his twelve, Who do you say that I am? Without hesitation, Peter said, Well, you are the Christ, the sent one from God, the Messiah. And then fast forward to the night before Jesus died, when he's praying with his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and he's about to be betrayed and arrested and taken away. And before they go to the Mount, Jesus had just celebrated a Last Supper with his closest friends, and he told them all that would happen to him that night. They did not want to believe it, and it made them very afraid to think that he would be dying soon. And Jesus also predicted that Peter, his most faithful, one of the first disciples, would not follow him all the way to his death, but instead would deny him three times before he heard the cock crow. And Peter said, no way, Lord, I will follow you to your death. So when Jesus was hauled away and the disciples fled in fear, Peter secretly followed and he hovered in the courtyard of the high priest where Jesus was being questioned. And people around him recognized him as one of Jesus' own. And three different times he was asked, Don't you know this man Jesus? Aren't you one of his? And three times Jesus says, I do not know the man. And then the cock crowed. And Peter, we are told, went away weeping bitterly. He knew the shame and the remorse and the sense of failure in himself for not staying true to his friend and teacher and Lord Jesus. He knew the need for forgiveness. The singleness of Jesus' message today, go out as I was sent, I send you with a message of forgiveness. And one pastor and Bible scholar points out that when we lead as fellow apostles with forgiveness, that nothing else is needed because it encompasses everything. We cannot have forgiveness without so reconciliation. And since God is a God of relationships, what we are sent out to do is to restore to right relationship anyone or thing that's separated from God, from one another, from ourselves, and from creation. And it involves much more than merely speaking words of forgiveness or receiving words of forgiveness. It involves us working to create a whole society based on right relationships with God and others and creation. It involves us making the realm of God real right here and right now. And that is a big program. This is exactly what we're invited into. So Peter, when he's preaching today, knows about forgiveness firsthand. When Jesus enters that room and says, Peace be with you, he knows he's forgiven and he's freed. He's able to forgive himself and he preaches to thousands the good news. Listen, he says, Jesus, whom some of you led to death, lives. He is the Christ and he is alive. The people are cut to their hearts. And they wonder, what should we do? 
Those thousands that were there, some of them knew Jesus firsthand from his birth to his death. Some had heard of him and the wonders he had performed. Some had never even heard of Jesus of Nazareth. But all of them respond with the question, Brothers, what should we do? His name is Tyler. Now in his late 40s, in and out of sobriety from drugs and alcohol for over half his life, in and out of trouble with the law due to choices he made under the influence of those addictions. And now Tyler serves seven years in a prison as a consequence of an action he took under relapse. This time going into jail, he had the option to choose to go into something called the God Pod. And Tyler chose this. And this is not unlike the prison fellowship ministry that's been alive and well at Knox for years, of which many of you are volunteers still to this day. Once a month on a Sunday, you go into the prison in our community with the Bible, the words of the gospel, and the good news of God's love and hope. This is the type of environment Tyler said yes to. On Sundays, volunteers, pastors, and church members would come and share the stories of the Bible. They would share their own stories as if on their own moth stage with vulnerability and conviction about the life-changing God of love that we belong to. And every Sunday as they concluded, they would invite the prisoners, anyone who wanted to come forward for prayer. Tyler had never opened a Bible. He didn't know much about God, but he felt compelled to say yes to that prayer every single week. And as Tyler tells his story, he came to understand a God that loves him. He said no ceiling opened and he saw a God with his own eyes. He said no wave of some spirit washed over him. But all he knew was that now he understood hope. A hope he had never known in his life and a hope he certainly did not find in prison. Through the stories of those volunteering on Sunday in the God Pod, Tyler came to understand his own story as a son of God. And he was compelled to ask, what should I do? He too was cut to the heart. What Tyler does is tell his story. He shares his experience, strength, and hope with his fellow inmates. And he carries the message. Some of you may, may have been and may follow the story of our sister in our own community, Maribel Trujillo, who is a resident of Hamilton. And I know some of you have been walking alongside her family. Maribel is an undocumented immigrant. And several years ago, she was granted a work permit by the U.S. to work to support her family and this permit has allowed her to support her husband and four small children. She's very active in her neighborhood community in Hamilton and Butler County and very active in her church. She is a contributor to her society and our community. Well, Marty Bell, following the rules, reported to ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, on Monday morning, April 3rd, and she was told to go back home and continue to work since she had the work permit and return for her next appointment on May 1st. But two days later, Maribel was suddenly detained near her home. She was taken from her family, separated from her husband and four young children, 
the youngest of which is three years old. And she was immediately detained in the Butler County Jail. And this is due to our, law, our current laws in this nation. People of faith and people who love her and people in the community beyond Cincinnati were cut to the heart by this story and compelled to ask the question for themselves, what should we do? Prayer vigils were organized. They called elected officials, called ICE, begging for mercy and compassion. Every day these calls were going on. People were showing up to support the family, but even so, Maribel has already been deported to Mexico while her family remains here. Whether we agree or disagree with the current U.S. policy on immigration, whenever there is brokenness, wherever there is need for reconciliation and the restoration of right relationships with God, and one another and with the earth. We as disciples, now the sent apostles, those baptized into Christ, we are called to ask always, what should we do? And then we get to trust that the Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed into those disciples then, that breathes in us today, will show us the way. We may feel powerless on how to respond, But one thing is true, friends, that above all, Jesus showed up for people. Above anything else, he was present. God never promises no suffering on our journey, but God promises presence. And Jesus teaches us how to do that, walking alongside the least of these, those who most desperately need hope, those without a voice, the powerless and the marginalized. And what's true is showing up and being present and walking alongside others of the human family will always be legal. So we never have to fear of what the world tells us when we have the gospel in God's realm informing us on how to respond to the question, what should we do? We can show up. We can pray. We can walk alongside. We can be there. Burns, the artistic director of the Moth Radio Hour, shares that when we don't turn away, when we have the courage to listen to the stories of others around us, when we dare, it's then that we remember that there is no other, there is only us. And what we have in common will always be greater than what separates us. So together today, we hear the story, maybe for the first time for some of us, maybe it's been a long time, or maybe in a brand new way, we hear the story that Peter cannot help but tell and bear witness to, that our God is a God of the living and will always show us how to respond to the question, what should we do? And any given day as we ask that, As one saint from Knox reminds us, as I quote, whenever we're in doubt on what to do, do the loving thing. Love will always win. And today we give thanks to God for that story that never ends. Amen.